Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 167. Are you ready for it? Factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. All right, with excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Nate Back. Nate, are you feeling unstoppable today? I sure think so. (laughs) All right. Uh, Previously the manager of two specialty shoe stores, today Nate has chased and caught his dream as the proud founder and owner of Nate Dogs, one of the most recognized food trucks and hot dog stands in the country. Aside from his incredible dogs, homemade mustards, and sauces, Nate is known for just being a stand-up good dude. Nate Dogs has been named Eater's Best Hot Dog in America, or among the best hot dogs in America, Expedia's top five food trucks in America, and Thrillist's 21 best food trucks in America. Nate, man, it's pretty awesome to focus on something so simple as a hot dog and just blow it up and just get so many accolades and so much recognition of what you're doing, man. Congratulations. Well, thank you very much. I sure appreciate it. Yeah, so uh, we got to start off every episode with a success quote or mantra to get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling. So what do you have for us today? Well, I think you actually said it kind of in the introduction. I think one of the the main components of my success is that I have focused so tightly and found such a small niche uh, to really excel in and to uh, uh, and to really kind of craft and hone that I think that's really been uh, kind of the big stepping stone of my success uh, and. I think the other side of that success uh, in specializing is it allows me with the way that my business is set up uh, operating from a cart and not from a food truck is that I can really focus on relationships with people uh, and not just the food. And I think that's the part that I really stress uh, and really work on the most is really developing those relationships, remembering people's first names. Uh, But I'm able to do that because I have such a – you know, for lack of a better word, simple menu, uh, I'm able to focus on that side of it and not have to worry about having so many ingredients to prep and so many things yeah. to have to have on the, the trucker cart. I feel like more of that so will I come out will be, yeah, yeah. when we talk about the it factors. Yeah. yeah, for sure. I can't wait to learn more about that. But, I mean, how did you take the course? Uh, you know, what path did you take to get to where you are today? And when did you know, what moment in your life did you realize that you're going to make a career in food and it was going to be more than just a job or more than just a fantasy? Um, it sort of happened as a matter of uh, necessity. I was running uh, you know, a couple of specialty uh, shoe stores uh, for about 10 years. Uh, my background is actually as a singer. So I had uh, intended to pursue a career in musical theater, but that uh, just wasn't as enjoyable uh, a career path as I had uh, perceived it to be. And so you end up, when you're in theater, you end up working either in restaurants or you work in retail. And I kind of did a little bit of both, longer in, in retail than in restaurants. But I'd always wanted to do something fun in food. Uh, and, you know, and I can't say that I'll always stay in food. Uh, I think it's been a really interesting journey so far. Mm-hmm. To be able to, to craft a brand, I think what I've really enjoyed the most about this business is that is that idea of being able to build a brand and something that's bigger than just the food product that, that you make. Mm. I think when you look at all of the things that people recognize 
they really end up recognizing that overall brand more so than they do even your particular type of food. They recognize that experience that you give them. Uh, and that's the part of food that I really enjoy is that we we all are looking for something that's bigger than just a meal that we're eating. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's my goal is to create that atmosphere and that environment in food. And if I can continue to do that for a long amount of time, I'll keep doing this for a long amount of time. Do you think, uh, but, Nate, do you think there was a time, though, um, when before you opened your, your food stand where – you just knew that. I know you said it's not going to be a career, but, um, I mean, what was, like, the pivotal point for you? Like, when did you think you were going to take the leap? Like, what did it? What drove you in this way? Oh, that's real simple. Uh, I was running the shoe stores, and I wanted to be able to buy those stores to be able to kind of, mm-hmm. you know, I guess you could say, uh, uh, you know, stretch my wings entrepreneurially, I guess you could say. And the gentleman I worked for uh, basically had no intention of, selling the business to me, he wanted to pass it on to his children, which I completely understood. And so I got let go. I started, I had been planning the business because I knew that I wasn't going to be able to stay running, you know, doing that particular job for much longer. And so uh, in March of 2011, I got let go from my job. And in May of 2011, I launched the hot dog cart. Mm -hmm. And I think that was really the pivotal, pivotal push that forced me to really go for this, uh, uh, whole hog in that <laughs> I think I would have probably maybe not gone so hard and so intensely at it if I hadn't been forced to do that without any other safety net. Awesome. And that's what, that's what pushed me into it. So why would you say you do what you do? If you could just like narrow it down to like one reason, one purpose, what is it? Uh, one, it provides for me and my family and gives me a creative outlet for, uh, you know, being, an entrepreneur for being, uh, you know, an artist of sorts. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I happen to do that with hot dogs. But I think in any sort of business, you're always looking to be creating good art. And whether that be a hot dog or a hamburger or uh, a fine dining restaurant that just excels in all levels of service and food, um, uh, you always want to be creating good art. And so when you stop creating either good art or you stop creating things, I think that's time to move on to your next adventure. And in doing this, I'm able to provide for my family with little to no debt. You know, I don't have, you know, to buy those carts, it was a much smaller investment than it would be to buy a restaurant or to buy a food truck. Mm. Uh, And that was really critical to me to not basically so that if everything went belly up, I could walk away and start something new and I wouldn't be, you know, 10 years in the hole still paying off that dream that I had. I think that's a really important part of, uh, you know, launching a dream or, or doing a business, especially in food, where the startup costs can be so prohibitive. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm really, uh, I'm you know, really interested to, to dive more into that, Nate, because we're going to ask the question about how to start. And I think the approach you took to start small, who knows, maybe scale up. I don't know what you have planned for the future, but that's a great approach with many people do with food trucks. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Um, but let's talk about you more right now, about your it factors, your habits, your characteristics. What do you think it is about you, Nate, that most contributes to your success? Uh, I think uh, a couple of things. Uh, energy level, I've got uh, – I'm, I'm more introverted than I think most people would guess when they meet me, but I'm a very outgoing person in that I really enjoy – one on, you know, being able to develop uh, very strong one-on-one relationships with people. Mm-hmm. And so if I get an opportunity to be able to really spend time with or invest in a person at my cart where, let's say, it's not busy for 
half an hour or an hour, I can really spend time getting to know one person mm-hmm. um, so that when they come back on a busy day, I remember their first name. I remember information about them, whether they have kids, what they do maybe for a living. Um, even though I generally tend to ask the question, what do you do for a living, like as the very, very last question I ever ask people, because it's generally the least interesting thing about people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my job gives me the opportunity to be able to interact and meet a lot a lot of people, and I put a, a great amount of effort into remembering their first names, uh, remembering you know what it is they like to order, and trying to, to say hi and, and make sure that people are noticed every time they come by the cart. That's, I think that's what's made me, my brand at least, uh, and Nate Dogs, I think that's what's really made it unique. Because as you said, when you only have one item, you can, you can be really recognizable for having one item, but you have to have something else that keeps people coming back to go, God, I may not want a hot dog today, but I really want to go back and I want to say hi to Nate because I'm going to get, a, you know, he's going to give me a hug. He's going to remember me. He's going to, you know, he's going to know things about me because he's taken time to get to know me. Yeah. And I really think that's, that's what I want to be remembered for. Are there any other it factors you want to uh, add before I chime in? You know, the other part of it that, that I've been able to focus on, I've always enjoyed, uh, you know, nice shoes, uh, uh, dressing well. And so I've incorporated that as part of one of my it things is the way I dress. I'm always in a shirt and a tie of some sort, most often bow ties, but it's very, very different from your typical uh, food service employee, so to speak, whether that be a chef or whether that be a server, uh, is to be able to, you know, to have that appearance that makes people go, wow, that really looks nice, and I really want to go over there and maybe get to know that person even more so than just their food, just by the way they look. You know, I think that's something that gives another element to – kind of the persona and the brand that is Nate Dogs. I'm so happy you went down this route and to talk about your energy, to talk about your uh, relationships with people, to make other people happy, and the fact that you just create a great experience with your showiness. And I don't know if do you do singing at the, the stand. Do you ever sing? Because that's, your, that's your, your talent, aside from cooking, correct? I, I, I don't a whole lot, largely <laughs> because in the, in, in the way that my business is kind of uh, – uh, shifted now, I do a lot of, uh, I would say, events that are paid for in advance. You could call it catering, if you will. Um, and that runs the whole gamut. That's, you know, weddings, that's the late night hot dog snack, birthday parties, graduation parties, uh, lunches for companies of every shape and size. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I could certainly sing, but it becomes one of those things that I think I'd rather, for me, rather than sing and, in a sense, kind of, um, you know, I guess you could call it show off. I'd rather spend a little more time Folks finding out about them yeah. than having them know about me. I, I, I think that's, I think that's a really good lesson. I'm not always good at it, but I think that's one of the things that really is important to learn every year as you get older is, you know, more and more time about others and less and less time about you. Yeah, man. I love it. One of the things I have to admit, one of the things that really drew me towards you and got me really excited about doing this interview, Nate, was just the fact that you just seem like a great guy. I mean, every 
thing I read about you, everyone had something to say about who you were. And really, at the end of this day, this industry is so much about those relationships you have with your community. Uh, how you, about it. Yeah. Exactly. How you make other people feel. That's why they're coming back to you. I mean, yeah, your food has to be okay. I'm sure your, your hot dogs are terrific. But really, what's going to keep people wanting to give you, your, or give you their, their money and to make them loyal to you is how you make them feel. And exactly, I just think, man, like you just are so good at that. And I, and I love how you also mentioned your, your showiness with your clothes. I think you just kind of create that experience between the, the, just making other people feel good and just be like, really just like making a, a show out of it with how you present yourself. I mean, all these things really well, drew me towards you. I'm able to, you know, I'm able to utilize that, you know, kind of that performance background. If you, if you want to call it that in that when you're, uh, every meal, in a sense, is uh, can be uh, applied to this. It's all a little bit of theater. Uh, mm-hmm. In some ta- some cases, it's a lot of theater. In some cases, it's a small amount of theater. But you're creating uh, a show. Uh, you know, when you have guests over to your house, you're you know you're setting the table. You're you know invoking the mood. You're you know the type of wine that you drink. The the type of food that you prepare. You're you're creating essentially uh, a show that you can be a part of. And mm-hmm. I think the the places that we want to go back to over and over and over again. And a great example of this, uh, uh, there's a company I follow that helps other businesses work on their brands and their story and, and, and telling a great story. And they had a great interview that I watched about a restaurant in Seattle called Canlis. I don't know if you're familiar with that restaurant, uh, but it was, it's been around, boy, I'm going to say for the sake of argument, 50 plus years uh, grandparents, parents, and now the kids are, the sons are running it. But what they do is they really stress the experience. Uh, in fact, they go out of their way to hire like, non-experienced servers so they can, you know, they can teach them how to serve, mm-hmm. but they're hiring on character. They're hiring on attitude and integrity. And I think if more businesses took that track in that utilize the skills and the unique traits that you have as an individual and then bank on those and make those part of that experience. I'd be dressing in a shirt and tie a lot of the time, even if I wasn't running Nate Dogs. Mm-hmm. Now, does it make it really fun to have that as part of my brand? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But I would dress that way anyway. I didn't change who I was to wear a shirt and tie and to try to create something that I wasn't. That's just part of who I am. And, it, and when you're allowed to be who you really enjoy being, then what you do for a living becomes pretty much inconsequential because you're going to create that experience everywhere that you go. Oh, yeah. Absolutely, man. I'm loving this interview so far. And one thing I just want to add before we move on to uh, having you share where one of these if factors really came out is uh, your service orientation. You're so focused on serving, and that's one of the things you I want to quote you. You said, whatever I do with the cart, I want it to be about serving the community first, not only serving food but serving people. And I just think that's incredible. Yep. We can learn so much from that. Yeah, I think that's really critical because we wanted it to be, you know, I want this to be something that my kids look at and go, this was as much about providing for a family uh, as it was about caring for those people that we were actually serving, about Mm -hmm. creating an experience that is memorable, about making them feel valued, about making them feel important. Um, You know, and we're not always going to hit that every time, but at the same time, if we're always striving to make that experience uh, the best possible experience, then we're really on the right track. And mm-hmm. I think once we lose, once we find ourselves kind of losing, uh, I don't know if it's the energy or the drive 
to create that experience, it might be time to move on to doing something else so that you can kind of reinvigorate yourself to, to be able to have that service mm. mindset first and foremost. It's not about being attentive to every tiny little whim. It's about intentionally paying attention to people. Mm. I think that's a, a big difference when you're talking to somebody and you're actually looking at them and making eye contact uh, and especially using their names. That's a big thing for me is using, you know, saying somebody's first name. It really it really shows them that you care about them, not just about their experience, but about them. And then that experience just is an outpouring of that. I think I found the title of this interview. It's going to be called, it's about intentionally paying attention to people. How do you like it? Great. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so can I get you to share a story with me, Nate, uh, of when sure. one of these it factors really shown through, take me through the moment through the experience, where one of these it factors, whether it was your energy, your good relationship skills, your uh, making sure other people are noticed, uh, I don't know, your showiness. Like, take me through a quick story if you can. Oh, let's see. Um, boy, let me see if I can think of one right off the top of my head. Or maybe even um, your service orientation. You know, I, I think one of the most enjoyable moments for me was, uh, was, this was early on. It was maybe kind of the the first year I was in operation. We actually ran with our carts all winter long, like through the snow and everything. And it was uh, just, you know, we didn't have any other jobs, so we had to keep doing that. But we, when we started this business, we, we really liked, you know, Tom's shoes created that one for one idea or, you know, brand, you know, kind of branded that idea of one for one. And I thought, well, that's a really great way to be able to do that. And I think with hot dogs, that would be an easy way to be able to piggyback on that concept. So what we do is for every hot dog, we give away a meal to a charity that's based here in the Twin Cities called Feed My Starving Children. Mm. Uh, and and so for every hot dog, we give away, and each meal is roughly valued at like 22 cents, but we're able to then donate, you know, tangible meals that my kids can go, God, Dad, we fed five kids every day for a year by doing that one charity event. And so we were serving at... Uh, uh, a local church down in Minneapolis. A friend of mine is the, uh, happened to be the pastor there. And so uh, it started as me looking for a kitchen to base, use as my base for my commissary and my, uh, my prep and all of that. But they ended up having this kitchen that was used almost entirely for feeding the homeless. And they had a shelter that they'd open up all winter long. And so we'd go down about every three to four weeks and we'd come down and we'd serve meals to these, oh, I'd say 50 or 70 uh, homeless people that re- you know resided at the shelter, and so we were serving for a, a winter parade that goes on here in the Twin Cities called the Holodazzle. And all of a sudden, my daughter starts hitting me on the arm, and I was like, "You know, Emma, what's going on?" She says, "Dad, this couple had walked by, and it was a couple of you know probably nineteen or twenty year old kids, and they resided at this shelter, and they ended up coming by the cart." And she's like, "Dad, are those the kids from the shelter?" And I said, "Yeah, they're." They're actually homeless. Emma. This is what they do probably all day is walk around the city until they can go back to the shelter and get some food. And to be able to see my kids make the connection mm. between what we do as a business and the fact that you're actually tangibly helping real people who aren't just, you know, a picture in a booklet or in a card that you get every month when you support them, you know, via a charity. Those are all great. But when you can actually see that person and, you know, kind of touch and feel that, uh, it makes a really big difference, and I think that was something that was really lasting for my kids, and it was really special for me to have them be able to see that. Yeah, and it's one thing I want to add, and I'm sure it's not your intention. I'm sure you don't give so much because you want to get, but the truth is the more you give, the more you take care of others, the more you have 
a service oriented way about yourself, you always get more in the long run. Like people will take care of you if you take care of others. I'm not saying that's your intention, but it's so true. And I think you're a great example of that. Well, and my, you know, my intention is I'm hoping that by, you know, other food, especially other food vendors seeing us do this, that we might encourage another vendor Mm -hmm. uh, to be able to do the exact same thing. Awesome. Uh, and I, you know, and I think uh, at its core, I think companies like Tom's or any of those that are doing Warby that one for one, Warby yeah. Parker, yeah. exactly. That's their goal as well is to go, hey, we're going to do this anyway, but we hope that other businesses will see us do this yeah. and in turn do the same thing. I th- absolutely. I, yeah. I, I think that's really critical. You know, it's funny because I, one of my missions with this podcast is I want to be able to make enough to give 50% away. Um, you know, through sponsorships and affiliate marketing to help other people open their restaurants. And I mean, I feel so, I get so pumped when I hear people like you talking about why it's so important to give and man, you're really inspiring me to like take action and start doing that. So, uh, oh, good. yeah. <laughs> Did you work uh, in food? I, I grew up in the food industry, man. I love it. It's uh, it's, it's what I've known my entire life. Okay. Yes, gotcha. sir. Yeah. Did you? Did you have family that had restaurants and whatnot, or I'm just... My, I'm just yeah, you're turning the interview on me. I love it. Um, yeah, my, my parents <laughs> opened a restaurant when I was three years old, and I worked in the restaurant until I was 13. Oh, wow. Very cool. Yep. Well, it's... cool. Thanks for sharing that. I appreciate <laughs> it. Hey, no problem. Thanks for asking questions. All right, the next question I have for you, Nate, is talk to me about a time you failed. Just like you did before, talking about how this if factor helped contribute to your success, you brought us through the moment, the experience. Do the same thing, but take us through a failure now, Nate, where you just fell hard on your ass. Tell us how you got back up and what you learned. Um, biggest failure I've had with my business, and I and I love the idea of failure um, uh, because I think that's one of the things that we're most afraid of, but it's actually one of the least it's one of the least scary things when you realize that every failure is just another step to uh, kind of honing your craft or honing, you know, getting closer to your goal, mm-hmm. but just sort of fine tuning your ability to be creative and to take risks. Mm-hmm. Um, we had, when we first started, uh, we got approached by the local newspaper, the Star Tribune, uh, to do an event that they were having. Uh, I think the name of the band at the time was, uh, I think they were called the hold steady. And I don't think they're, uh, a band anymore, but a fairly recognizable band at that point. This was probably four years ago. So anyway, they had a uh, big nightclub, and they're like, you're going to basically be our only food other than some VIP food up, up on the second floor. We're expecting, you know, between two and 4,000 people. So I was like, this is awesome. We'll come, you know, prepared with tons of staff. I ordered somewhere in the ballpark of 2,000 to 2,500 hot dogs. Wow. And we sold 150 hot dogs. Oh, man. It was a colossal failure. And I was so frustrated and so upset about it. I was like, oh, I can't believe, you know, because I was looking at that as a way to basically get some great, you know, money at the kind of the beginning of the winter to kind of you know basically hold us over and help us out so that as I didn't know what we were going to be able to get for the wintertime, I was like, this will be some really good capital to kind of keep us afloat. Uh, as we go into the really lean months of winter, and it was a colossal failure. However, what it what it taught me is that it, it taught me that sometimes you're going to load up, like you're going to sell thousands of hot dogs, and you might only sell a hundred, and that just happens. And other times you might come loaded, you know, not not prepared, and you might just get creamed. And so I think it's to to realize that 
some of the events that are going to be, some of the things that you think are going to be huge are going to be tiny. And some of the things that you never expected to be uh, spectacular end up just blowing your, blowing you right out of the water. And they end up being some of the best things that you do. So I think the, the, the lesson from that is, is the quicker you can, uh, the quicker you can move past the failure and uh, adapt and change, the healthier that you're going to be in business and in life. Because you have to look at that and go, okay, what did we do wrong? That sucked. It's okay to be upset about it because stuff like that can be really upsetting. But at the same time, you go, okay, now what do we do? How do, you, how, you know, how do we problem solve and move past this as quickly as possible so that you don't linger on the failure? I think that's where you can really get yourself in trouble is that if you focus so much on the failure and not what you learned from it, so then what, you can really end up just continuing to fail. So it sounds like you're saying you learn to ask, to, to tell yourself to, to learn. <laughs> like, exactly. So what did you learn exactly aside from that? Like what have you learned because of this new adaptation of, of paying attention to your failures so you can learn something from them? Have you picked up any like real valuable life lessons in this process? Oh, sure. I mean, I think that's one of the reasons why now I do so much in the way of, uh, you know, catered or events that are paid for. Uh, because you get smart and go, you can't just, you can't do every event and show up and just sell to their customers and expect that you're always going to make, uh, you know, kind of huge dollars for the day because some days everybody, you know, it might be an event from two until five in the afternoon and nobody's eating, Mm -hmm. even though there are 3000 people, nobody's eating any food. And so what you learn is you learn that, you know, something a lot of times for events, you ask them to meet a minimum, you know, so that even if the event is a total bust you still end up doing okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, or you, you know, you turn down events that you know they're, not, they're just not going to eat your food. You just realize that there are certain places that, like for me doing hot dogs, I'm just not going to sell a lot of hot dogs. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I've, it's, I've learned which events, because of that, work really well for the product that I sell and which events work really, really poorly for the product that I sell. And so you learn just to say no to those things that you know aren't going to be a good event. And, you you know, you read the description when an email comes in and say, hey, we think your your truck or your cart would be a great fit for our event. And they go, yeah, it sort of seems like it would be, but I just know now based on past experience that I'm not going to sell enough for uh, that event, and I'm just not going to do that type of yeah. event. So I, I think if you don't learn that lesson when you make that one failure, I think, Ben, if you keep trying those things, then you're really going to get discouraged. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a great lesson to take away is just to always be, you know, really paying attention to what your what efforts are paying off, what works, what doesn't work, and constantly be improving and learning and failing forward so you just become a little bit more successful with every event you do. Uh, that's a great well, lesson. Well, absolutely. I, I think you really have to focus on almost saying no more than you say yes mm. because you're waiting for those uh, – events or those catered parties where like for my cart, I want to be able to have maybe four or five things on a Saturday or a Sunday that I know I can do maybe a hundred or 150 hot dogs, but it's all guaranteed. I'm going to, I know exactly what I'm going to serve. I can wrap up and go to the next event Yeah. as opposed to doing a 10 hour festival where I could, you know, potentially maybe sell five, 600 hot dogs, but I have to be there for 10 or 12 hours Plus, you know, four hours on either, you know, kind of all around prepping and setting up and loading in and, you know, breaking down. I would much rather have a shorter time frame where I know exactly what I'm going to make than to try to be there for, you know, an all-day event where it may or may not be profitable for the whole day. Awesome. Uh, I think you have to get smart about the business side of things like that 
to know where your best profit margin is going to be and then focus on that. Awesome. Great lessons here. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing this with us. We have reached the midpoint where we're just going to start talking about bombs of knowledge, man. It's going to be a speed round. You're going to blow us away. You ready for this? Sure. The first question I have for you in the speed round is what advice do you have for funding the money to get started with your first operation, whether a restaurant or a food truck? What do you have for us? Bootstrap it. That's mm-hmm. my that's my biggest advice to people. Don't go into a mountain of debt just to make your dream happen. Mm-hmm. It's just not smart uh, because if everything goes belly up and you have to walk away, which you always have to keep in the back of your mind as a possibility, you want to have as little financial risk as possible in order to make that happen. Uh, there are times where you're going to make a big gamble, but when you're starting out, do everything you can to try to make that happen uh without going into deep, deep debt to do that. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the reasons like, I, I was excited to have you on the show is because it's so much more affordable to start a food truck or to get a food cart. And you can really Absolutely. develop a, a following, a brand. Like you say, you're so good at developing those brands at a, a really lower uh, entry fee. And yeah. You know, it's just a great way to develop that rapport and to get your name out into the community. So when you do want to open that restaurant, you have this following of these people that will get behind you. Um, what do you think about that? Um, I, I, I agree with that. I think it's, uh, I you know, I look at friends who have you know started food trucks and are now oper- operating restaurants, and a lot of them are, most of them are doing really, really, really well. You know, they they started small and they built up into the restaurant. But it's still, I mean, it's a it's a business that has slim profit margins. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a ton of work for very, very slim margins. And so y- you have to be, first and foremost, you have to, to go into that knowing that you're going to have to get good at business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and, I mean, you, could be the, you could be the best chef in the world, but if you don't know how to operate uh, a successful, sound business, uh, it doesn't matter if you make the best food. You're going to end up closing your doors, you know, in a relatively short amount of time. It's just, and I think, really, it's just a fact. Yeah, and I think the, one of the biggest business mistakes that are made when people open a restaurant is they just try to go too big too soon. They have these huge visions. Oh, for sure. And it's great to think big and to dream big, but you don't have to start off big. And I think uh, you do not. Oh yeah, for sure. Awesome. No, I, I really, I really agree with that sentiment. In that, you know, we all have grand visions about. Yeah something or another. Uh, I think that's the, the really enjoyable part about dreaming something is, you know, think as big as you, as you can, but then when you start it, keep a lot of those things kind of in, on the back burner in, you know, in your mind and then start adding them in as you get more capital, as yeah. you get uh, a little more of a kind of a toehold in the market. You're like, okay, things are working, working pretty well now. Yeah. Um, like for us, we were able to actually add a second hot dog cart, uh, wait for it, because my first hot dog cart got rear-ended by a car <laughs> on my way to the kitchen that I work out of, uh, and the guy did it on purpose. <laughs> what? The guy was upset that I pulled out in front of him, uh, and as I was waiting to make my next turn, the guy bumped the back of my cart, backed up, and then drove off. So what totally bummed me out all of a sudden turned into 
wait a minute, I'm going to be able to get now a second card. Yeah. Uh, and then over the, over the course of that next year, we were able to figure out ways to actually utilize both cards, and then that added my first employee. Yeah, there's another, uh, there's another really it factor right there, optimistic, glass-half-full attitude. I love it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Great. Um, so let's talk a little bit. I mean, we can probably just skim over this if you want, because I know you probably don't have many people working for you. Um, yep. I mean, but one of the questions I ask on the show is, what's your advice for hiring uh, good people. I mean, is that something you want to touch on? Give us a few cents on that, or I'll let sure. You... No, I and I we used to hire people all the time back when I ran the shoe stores, and it's mm-hmm. I mean it's a it's a tricky business, um, it, and it's getting trickier every day because uh, kind of the the generations that are coming up are becoming more and more focused on what's in it for me, yeah, as opposed to how can I be a great employee or a great business owner um, in order to to give back to those who I'm working for. It's, it's a, you know, it's kind of this idea. I, I take this advice from, uh, uh, Lou Holtz, the football coach. Okay. When he said, when he started out coaching, students came in, uh, with responsibilities and obligation. Mm-hmm. He goes, and now they come in with just this giant pile, uh, of expectations of what they should or shouldn't have. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of the two sides of a really bad coin. You know, when you, when you have too many obligations, you're sometimes not allowed to really dream because you're too focused on, well, I, I can't let my family down or I can't let so-and-so down. And then the other end of that spectrum is you come in with all these expectations and all these rights of what you think you should or shouldn't have, and you're just, uh, you're just a mess. And I think the real challenge is, is that find someone that has great character because you can always teach them how to do a job or a task or you know, a function, if you will. But if you don't hire for character and for personal integrity, all of that other, all of those other skills go right out the window because you're just going to end up with somebody that's going to be toxic to your organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that that Canvas restaurant that I mentioned, that's they're doing that exact same thing, and it's kept them successful for over 50 years. They hire, they hire for attitude and they hire for character because they can always teach the other skills, mm-hmm. um, but you can't teach character. Absolutely. I love it. Thank you for sharing that. So if, if you could share one book with us, Nate, uh, maybe, maybe a business book or a restaurant book, or maybe a marketing or branding book. I mean, what's one resource you can share with us that's a, a must read for anybody getting into the industry? Um, boy, um, I'm trying to think of something that's industry uh, related. It doesn't have to be industry-related. It could just be uh, a book about success in general, something that is just a must-read for anybody who's just looking to be successful, too. I, I think, actually, it's I, I have two books um, that I think are really, uh, if I can give you two quick ones. Yeah. The first one that is food-related that I think is a really good tale about how to have a really great life uh, in food, it's called The Apprentice, and it's the autobiography of Jacques Pepin. Oh, great. Um and, and the thing that I've it, – it's made me appreciate watching his shows. I've always – he's always been my favorite you know, TV personality, if you will, because you actually learn techniques and you learn uh, practical knowledge when you watch his show. He actually shows you how to do you – know, how, to, how to cut a vegetable, how to you know, do whatever. He really gives you the actual hands-on knowledge how to do it. Yeah. But what's really great about it is – the way he's invested in all of the people that he's taught throughout his life. And he's had some ridiculous challenges, uh, you know, both as a small child growing up in, you know, essentially World War II France, uh, 
to having great success and running really, really nice restaurants. Uh, he's just a, a very, from what I never met him, but he seems like just a genuinely humble, uh, caring individual that really looks at food as a way to be with family and with friends more so than to advance a career. Uh, the, the second book that I really, really, really love, and it's one of the best books I've read, it's short, um, but it's written by a guy named Bob Goff. Uh, uh, and Bob Goff is a lawyer, but he also runs an organization called Restore International, and they rescue uh, women, children uh, from sex slavery. They open up schools in Uganda, in India, um, I'm blanking on the other countries. But he works as an attorney, and he calls it fundraising, to be able to, to fund these other uh, charitable organizations that he does to be able to educate children, to be able to rescue them from uh, horrific situations. But it's a book called Love Does. And I think it really hits on all the notes of focusing on using kind of, you know, love for your job, love for people as the action to go out and do things and to take great risks and to really be creative. Uh, because, you know, really in action, if you look at, you know, you love your mom and dad, you love your spouse, you love your kids, you do that, you show them that love by doing things for them. You don't mm -hmm. just tell them, hey, I'm going to, you know, to use this as an example, and he does this in the book, hey, I'd like to know about Eric Cacciatore. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm going to take a six-week course, and I'm going to read all of the, you know, the, the study materials, and at the end of six weeks, I should know Eric Cacciatore pretty well. Well, you know, no, you don't do that. You actually <laughs> go and you spend time with Eric Cacciatore, so you get to know Eric, mm -hmm. and you do things with them, and you invest in them. It's, it, it's a short, short book, and the guy's energy is off the charts, awesome. Awesome. Um, I it's one of the best books I've ever read. I'm um, gonna have to check yeah. that out for sure. It's it's I I highly recommend it. It's a short read. I listened to it on audiobook, but I've now met him in person, and genuinely one of the most awesome people I've ever met. I'm so pumped that you just mentioned audiobooks. <laughs> By the way, awesome. If you guys don't <laughs> use audiobooks, I mean, I I probably get through one book a week just because I'm able to listen to audiobooks. I use Audible. I don't know what you use, but. Totally, yep. Yeah, totally worth checking out. Alright guys, just a quick reminder, please go to audibletrial.com slash unstoppable to get your free audiobook today. This is how we keep the show free to you, by using my links, by listening to the advice of our mentors. Uh, these people are successful for a reason. It's because they're educating themselves with books. And audible books are the best way to do that. So use that link. Again, audibletrial.com slash unstoppable. Thanks, guys. Uh, all right, great. Thank you for sharing those resources with us. I'm going to tie the next two questions together uh, because I really want to pick your mind on how you're using uh, technology to market yourself and your brand. That's one thing I've noticed you're really good at. So uh, talk to us a little bit about marketing and how you're leveraging technology to market yourself. Sure. It's evolving a little bit for me as my business sort of changes and evolves. Uh, but when I started out, it was uh, I got a couple of really nice articles uh, that came out about my cart. And so I was able to then leverage those articles with Twitter and Facebook uh, to be able to essentially exponentially grow uh, a Twitter following uh, almost within like the first year, year and a half. Um, so that, you know, when food trucks first got popular, at least in the, in the Minneapolis and St. Paul area, it was between 2010 and 2011. Mm -hmm. Really the only way for people to find out where we were going to be was, you know, a calendar on a Facebook page or uh, blasts that would go out on Twitter. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, and, and 
and things are changing a little bit as social media platforms change. I'm finding I do much more sharing on Instagram, and then that can share through Facebook and Twitter, uh, because I think people are realizing that as, as great as Twitter is and as great as Facebook is, things like Tumblr, uh, Periscope, Instagram, uh, all of these social media things that actually involve more kind of perceived human interaction, like an actual face, uh, a picture of somebody that means something to you or a place that means something to you, people are wanting to connect more and make their social media more real world than just small snippets of information. Mm-hmm. Um, so Twitter still is very, very valuable, but I'm finding that the more I can craft a brand that has real-life experiences as part of it, uh, the more interesting that brand becomes and the more traction I get and the more following I get uh, with my brand. Wow, that's all great advice. I mean, one thing I want to mention, you keep on mentioning the word brand, is when I land on your website, I'm seeing pictures of you, the the Nate Dogs experience, and I mean, you're just so good at knowing who you are and making sure when people land on your website, everyone can just instantly pick up on what it is you do and what makes you special. I mean, where'd you learn this? And Thanks. No, no problem. Thank you for being a great example. I mean, but like, what advice do you have with branding and like, what, where did you learn how to do this so well? Um, I, I, I can't take all the credit for this at all, you know, by any stretch. I, I think I've got a knack for it. Um, yeah. but at the same token, I also, I think I'm fairly good at picking really great people to work with who are maybe not quite as recognized, but who have a very similar eye to what, you know, for, for branding or for logo design, if you will, mm-hmm. or website design. I think I know what I'm, you know, how to describe what I'm looking for, but I also really know that I don't want to be the person to have to make that or to create that. So let's take, for instance, the gentleman who designed my logo. Um, guy that I met doing a charity golf tournament, you know, several years ago, but I knew when I started a business that I wanted him to create the logo or to create all the design and all of that kind of brand identity because he had, he knew how to take the design and give it a tangible, hands-on feel. Um, he invests his heart and soul into actually making things for me, like menu boards, uh, uh, into actually putting the logos on my carts. He enjoyed doing that himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the website, as you see it, that was designed by uh, a couple that's based here in the Twin Cities, who I got to know kind of through a random set of circumstances but who really hit it off with having a great conversation one night for a different interview and just thought, man, you guys really have a cool eye for this, and I think I like where you're going. Uh, I would love to have you do a website for me. And so I, I really enjoy finding people who aren't quite discovered yet or who don't have a huge following and being able to be one of the early adopters of their work, if that makes sense. No, absolutely. Uh, I, I really, really like uh, – uh, I got to meet some really cool people at a sort of a, you could call it a conference, but it was sort of a gathering of creative individuals, kind of like a, a more grassroots TED Talk, so to speak. Okay. Um, conference. Uh, it's a conference called Story. Um, and just really, it, it's, and they're very clear about this even when you go. All the, all the speakers are people who are maybe at, in the future or in the very near future going to be very recognizable, but who aren't quite yet. And I think that's that layer of, Famous but not really famous is where you kind of – that's the sweet spot for true creativity in that you're really able to push the boundaries without some of the, the consequences of having a, 
kind of a bigger, bulkier, you know, brands have to move around. Like, um, you know, look at Nike. They can really, they're really driving their industry, but they move at a much slower pace than somebody who's a lot smaller and who's a lot more nimble and can make some riskier uh, decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if Nike's the best example of that, but it's, the bigger you get, the slower that train moves and, and the longer it takes to make some of those decisions because it has more uh, ramifications for, you know, larger, like you mentioned earlier, larger staff, suddenly that, you know, your choices affect your staff. If it's just you, you can make any crazy choice you want, and really it affects only you and your family. So uh, I think I think in being able to find uh, not just the biggest, best place in town and go work with them, that, that can give you great results, I'm sure. But find somebody that's looking to also maybe build their brand on your work, and especially if you have kind of a shared uh, ideology and uh, uh, kind of a shared direction, you can then – I can help grow their business as well as them helping to grow my business. Yeah. And that's something that I'm really passionate about because I don't want to just use their work and get something great. I want to then be able to talk about them as much as possible. Uh, every time I mention, hey, who did your website? Oh, my gosh, this great couple, you know, it's Joseph and Liz. They have a, a great company called Bodega, and they're doing some really cool creative stuff for some really up-and-coming uh, food professionals, uh, some, some who are doing uh, – uh, handcrafted spirits, uh, you know, that's another industry that's really growing right now. They're just doing some really cool creative things, uh, and I, I consider myself lucky that I get to work with them. Yeah, you know what, that's one thing I did notice about you watching the YouTube videos. Everything you do isn't, whenever you're promoting yourself, you're really not promoting yourself. You're promoting everyone else around you, the ingredients you're using, the, you know, the people you're affecting, even down to your website, into the logos on, on your truck. And when, when you make it about other people, they will turn back around and lift you up, and that's just one thing Absolutely. that you do really well. And uh, I'm happy we oh, were thanks. kind of coming full circle in uh, in pointing that out. And if you could go back in time and just give yourself one piece of business advice, what would it be? I think one of the I think one piece of advice I would give myself to have done sooner than later is learn how to say no more often than you say yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what I mean by that is is really distill down what it is that's most important to you and then fiercely go after everything that can make that happen. Uh, and don't worry about, you know, in, as Americans, we're, so, we're often so concerned about, oh, well, you know, maybe they, they might be upset that I didn't get back to them in a, you know, in a timely fashion or I didn't return their call soon enough, or, God, they're really nice folks. Maybe I should give them a chance and do that because it'd be a nice thing to do. All of those things are fine and good, but if you're really trying to to grow a very specific, uh, a very specific thing, you have to say no more often than you say yes. Like take, for instance, giving back or doing something charitable. Let's say you wanted to open up uh, a food shelf. People are going to come out of the woodwork to get you to donate to their organization or to get money over here or, hey, we've got this great event. Could you come give away your food at this? And all of those are well and good, but we've actually been able to be more successful giving to one charity uh, and really focusing our time and efforts, especially even using the card to give back charitably, by really doing just one charitable organization. Uh, And I make exceptions here and there, but by doing that, you're actually able then – to spend more quality time doing what it is you really want to do as opposed to spending large quantities of time trying to actually, you know, accomplish what you want to do. 
because I want to be able to spend as much time as possible doing fun stuff with my wife and with my kids. I don't want to be working 12 hours a day every day. That's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, and I think the more you're able to fine-tune your focus and say no to things, then you actually create more time to go, hey, I don't have to go out and work today. We're doing just fine. We're taking in enough the rest of this week. I'm going to take the day off. We're going to go, you know, drive two hours and have an adventure up in the North Shore of Lake Superior um, and really disconnect that way. I yeah. think I wish I had learned that lesson a little bit sooner uh, no. in the business to be able to really enjoy that more. It's a great lesson, and it really reminds me a lot of what Napoleon Hill, uh, the author of Think and Grow Rich, has to say about just living intentionally. Yep. And having that focus and just doing everything that don't take part in any activity that doesn't contribute to where you're trying to go um, because exactly. it's going to pull away from what you're trying to do. And I think that's incredible advice to end up on here to finish up with this interview. Um, so, I mean, the only other question I have left is what's one question I could have asked you, Nate, that you think would have added more value to this interview? I think one question I always like to ask people, and maybe I don't always phrase it this way, but it's the idea that I'm going for is uh, – not so much what is your dream, because I, I've come to realize that we will all have, as our dream jobs or our dream careers, oh, we're going to probably have 15 to 20 different like dreams that we pursue. But I think what really drives each of those you know, dreams, quote unquote, if you will, is what really makes you come alive. And, and I think when you find what makes you come alive, it doesn't matter what dream or what new business or what new brand idea you're focusing on. When you really find out what makes you come alive, all of the rest of it just really, really soars. Because you're actually you're playing to all of your strengths. You're mm-hmm. you're kind of getting rid of all of that accessory crap to really focus in on what it is that makes you you and makes you super unique. Uh, and that's what's really interesting about people and about businesses. And that's what I'm really drawn to is I tell my wife this all the time. I, I honestly, I just don't have time anymore for people that aren't interesting. Uh, <laughs> well, that makes and, me feel flattered because you took time for me to be a guest on the show. Yeah. So. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Thank you and, for and, that compliment. <laughs> yeah, sure. And, and what I mean by that is, is that when I describe what it is that I do or maybe a new direction that we're going to go, if that person's first response is, well, but what if? I'm generally, I'm pretty much checked out of that conversation immediately because I know that that person is focused too much on uh, the risks and what could go wrong as opposed to, dude, that could be amazing. That could really be cool. I'm happy to give, you know, if we sit down some more, I'm happy to give you some advice on things to, to look out for, you know, that might come in your path to sort of sandbag your, your dream or your adventure. But I want that first goal to be, you know, what is it that makes you excited? What is it that makes you come alive? What makes you come alive? That's what makes really you excited. To me. What makes me excited, actually, what really makes me excited the most is being able to encourage and see kind of that flicker when someone realizes what it is that actually makes them tick. Uh, you know, let's say you're out talking with a customer, and I really like, the, as an example, I really like cool watches. So let's say that customer has on a cool watch, and suddenly that guy just goes off about watches and how he'd love to start uh, a magazine or a business where he gets to cater in fine watches or in, you know, something related to that. If I can even be a small part in encouraging that dream kind of in its early stages, that's what really gets me excited. Wow. 
Awesome. I love it, man. You've been an incredible guest. I've asked you all the questions I have. I wrap up every episode by having you call somebody out. Who's one indie restaurant professional, maybe a food truck? Let's get another food truck on the show uh, that you really admire and just think would make a great guest mentor on the show. I'm going to give you two because I think there are two that are really great. The first one is called The Chef Shack, and it's owned by two women, uh, Lisa Carlson and Carrie Summer. Uh, and they were the first nationally recognized food truck out of Minnesota, and they are fantastic. But they're exceptional uh, business people. Uh, they're exceptional mentors. They keep staff around for a long period of time, and they've had a lot of uh, other food truck operators actually come through their business and then go on to start their own, which I oh, think wow. is a, a, a real measure of kind of your lasting impact is that you can have other people – be inspired or move on to their own businesses. And that happens a lot in restaurants, but these two are really, uh, you know, top of the list. And then I think another one that you w- would enjoy talking with if they, if they have time to be able to do it is uh, it's a truck called Ola Arepa, H-O-L-A, and then Arepa, A-R-E-P-A. And they have really, really a cool, just a, an amazing brand, and their, their heart and their character is just amazing, and it's owned by uh, a couple. Burke uh, Grudem, I believe is his last name, G- Burke, B-I-R-K, last name G-R-U-D-E-M. And then her name is Christina, and I'm, I'm probably going to pronounce it wrong, but I think it's Wen, uh, N-G-U-Y-E-N, I believe is the spelling. Okay. Uh, but those those two food trucks are I, – I couldn't highly recommend enough those two food trucks to interview. All right, beautiful. Uh, Burke and Christina and Lisa and Carrie, look out, guys. I'm coming after you. Try to get you to be a guest on the show. Nate, man, you've been so incredible. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Let the folks at home know how we can connect with you. If we're out in Minnesota and we want to get a great hot dog, how can we find you? And uh, if maybe we have a question about today's interview, uh, we can follow up. What's the best way? Uh, the best way to get a hold of me is actually very simple. It's just at natedogs.com, N-A-T-E-D-O-G-S.com. Uh, simple email contact form on that uh, website as well as a calendar of all the events that are open to the general public. Because I do so much in the way of private events and catering uh, and whatnot, that's the way that if you want to come find me when I'm going to be out on the street, uh, that I have all of those dates listed there on my calendar, and I've got uh, easy to add to your both your Google Calendar and your Apple Cal- iCal and Apple. Uh, I've got addresses and times and everything. You just click on it, and we'll add it right to your calendar. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us today as a guest mentor. Uh, man, there's no questioning. You are unstoppable. Well, thank you very much, Eric. I appreciate your time. <laughs> Cheers. All right, thank you for joining us for another episode of Restaurant Unstoppable. Nate Beck was awesome. Thank you so much, Nate, for coming on the show to be a guest mentor. Some incredible lessons in the show of just being a good person and taking an interest in your guests and making it about them and that experience and showing that you love them and your community. That's really what I took away from this interview today. And, uh, you know, just the importance of having a solid brand. And Nate just blows that out of the park. You should check out his website. The links are in the show notes. Just head over to www.restaurantunstoppable.com slash Nate Beck, B-E-C-K, and you'll find the links right there. And another thing I have to point out is the power of audiobooks. Nate is another 
audiobook listener, and who would have thought he's also very successful? I'm telling you, there's a correlation between reading or listening to audiobooks and your success rate. You have to surround yourself with those people who can give you the mentorship, the advice. Um, I, I don't know what else to say. <laughs> Just head over to audibletrial.com slash unstoppable for your free audiobook today. Uh, you won't regret it. All right, guys, that's all I have for you today. Like always, reach out to me, Eric, at restaurantunstoppable.com. If you can think of anybody who should be a guest mentor on the show, just shoot me that email. Let me know. I'll get in touch with them. And like always, Restaurants Unstoppable slash books for a complete list of the books our past guests recommend and Restaurant Unstoppable slash tools for all the services, products, and tools our guests are using to make their restaurants unstoppable. All right, guys, that's it. Until next time, peace out.